0: this is a mr thrive media production we are live my friends, it is good to have you all back on this podcast. I'm so excited that you guys chose to listen to me and my amazing guest, Elena And I've known her for quite some time, and she has taken the shift in her life that is just absolutely amazing, and I totally support her on her journey. She is just an absolutely amazing stop-motion animator, and I know you're going to love her and her genuine self. She has so much to offer and bring. She is completely vulnerable, and I'm just so amazed at her bravery behind the microphone. So I think you guys are going to love her as much as I love her. I also want to take a quick second to mention the networking parties that this company and my podcast host. We host networking parties once a month for artists and entertainment professionals, and I know you're going to love it. You can find in my Instagram link tree. There is a sign-up registration link that'll direct you to the right place that you need to be to meet other artists from not just the nation, but the world. It really is remarkable, and I know you're going to love it. We have live dancers. This time it's fall-themed, and I know you're going to have a good time. We are sponsored by Happy Life Creatives. We have a special offer from a local LA-based company who stands for optimism, ingenuity, and connection. All of their products are completely handmade, and I gotta say, I love how it brings positive energy into my home. From magnets to canvases to Happy Life t-shirts and literature, this lifestyle brand is sure to benefit your life. Let's support small business together, especially during these vulnerable times. Simply jump onto Etsy, type in Happy Life Creatives, and enter Mr. Thrive 10 in the checkout. That is MR Thrive 10 for a 10% discount on all the items in the store. I know you're gonna love it. So, no matter what it is you do while listening to podcasts, whether that is sitting back and relaxing, going on a walk, buckling up as you're about to drive. I hope you guys enjoy the show. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive's Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artist.
1: Creator of Open Sesame, Elena Lopilato.
0: Elena, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How are you?
0: I am good. I am good. It's really great to have you here. I've been loving what you've been doing with your YouTube series which we're going to talk about actually right this second um I want to learn about what Open Sesame is and what La Palato Creations is all about let's hear it
1: Yeah so Open Sesame is a stop motion animation series a lot of people when I say that don't really know what stop motion animation is so just to give some reference it's you know Nightmare Before Christmas Coraline it's just a type of animation yeah and it's a series all about mental health and about this character named Prashen and her journey battling depression and her friends are trying to help her out with that.
0: And when when you watch your YouTube series you can really tell that this is about something deeper but on a really fun and quirky level. I wanted to ask you is there a particular artist or director or film that you are inspired by?
1: Yeah I mean I've actually pulled from a few things. I definitely am a huge fan of Adventure Time. (laughs) (laughs) I love Adventure Time. I love that it's like a show that's geared towards kids and a younger audience, but it really deals with a lot of adult elements and themes, which I respect a lot because it means that not only can kids enjoy this, even young adults can watch it and still find a way to connect. And definitely Tim Burton, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I think with stop motion animation, because the movements are so unnatural, like there's always a little bit of delay in some of the movements, it works best on sort of creepy stories, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think when people do it like Tim Burton, it was just such a cool genre of stop motion, you know?
0: I feel like Tim Burton has turned stop motion into this very macabre, but somehow charming art. And so many like yourself have been inspired by him. He's like, it's a great guy with yeah. uh, adventure time. There's a lot of conspiracy theories behind that show. Isn't there?
1: I don't know them personally. I know that there's a lot of conspiracy in the show, like there's, it's a post-apocalyptic setting and you pick up on a lot of hints that aren't spoken, but they're just like placed throughout the show.
0: Like and what exactly?
1: Like, so like they don't ever say, oh, this show happened after like an apocalypse or a war, but they have like buildings that are torn up that you can see like moss growing on in certain areas. Um, some of the backstories between like Marceline and Ice King are kind of leading to the fact that like, oh, the world kind of, there was a war and it shows you a world, like an image of a world and half of it is blown off, so.
0: Now imagine pitching that idea to the producers at Cartoon Network. Where's it based? Oh, well, it's based in uh, our world, but but post-apocalyptic, but no one's going to figure it out unless they're paying attention.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it actually was a happy accident. I don't think when they first made the series that it was intentional when they first came up with it. I think really, okay, it definitely seems like it's something that they just kind of grew on as the series progressed.
0: But I know from the forums that have because I I don't watch the show personally, but I know from the forums that that show has created that, that there's a lot of talk about the backstory and like people who are piecing together different hints and creating this entire conspiracy theory
1: (laughs) yeah it's an awesome show and i personally like that like in open sesame there's a lot of small elements that won't be completely answered in this first season but i want that so that way people are like huh wait what and then they're gonna hopefully figure it out as the series continues
0: I wanted to ask about that. I wanted to ask if there is anything within Open Sesame that is hidden like that. Is it, would you say it's hidden in the story or it's hidden in some of the production design?
1: There's some elements in the backstories. There's some hidden elements in those where I have um, parts where it kind of breaks out of the normal stop motion animation and goes to the projector style mm-hmm. of um, the storytelling and In some of the images, there's some little hidden pictures that kind of will cue you into things, Um, but also episode seven, which isn't out yet, so I'm not going to spoil anything. But there's a new character in that episode who basically stirs the pot a little, and you're going to find out, oh, so this world goes a little deeper than... I, li- I lead you on to believe, if that makes sense.
0: That is actually so cool. <laughs> That's uh, well, like, it, w- would you be willing to 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 give anything away, or are you going to let us figure it out?
1: No, i give you. I'll give you a little tidbit. All I'm okay. going to say is that Prussian. This whole first season, she's in the house, you know. Um, but the second season, you'll start to see more of the world that they all live in, and you'll start to understand that there's some hidden rules to this world depression is gonna do some research and figure some things out. And
0: ooh, okay.
1: All, uh, all I'm gonna say is there's definitely more to come.
0: <laughs> I mean this. This sounds like. I mean this. This actually reminds me of Lost. Right. I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like Lost, like it start. The show starts out with like, okay, people survived a terrible plane crash on a desolate, beautiful island and the old, the first mystery that you first discover is that suddenly this man who's been in a wheelchair is able to walk oh. after the plane crash, right?
1: Right.
0: And they're wondering what's going on, and at first it's just about what's on directly on the island and survival, but then the show quickly becomes a mystery show as they discover that there's actually intention behind their plane crash and That's that there's cool. more to the island than what appears and that that kind of I love I love unfolding the onion that you've created here. This is really cool. So now I got to rewatch everything because I watched everything prior to this and I didn't expect that. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, all I'm going to say is uh, because the first season I really was let me just try this. Let me just give this a shot. I wasn't really thinking conceptually as intensely as I am now, but it was cool because everything's tying together and I love it when a show does that when you think it's a very like standard uh, concept, things are pretty straightforward. And then you realize they're setting you up because this is way more complex than you were thinking. And um, yeah, it's gonna get really intense. I'm hoping to really push the envelope with some of the things I wanna do in it. And yeah, some people might not like it. I have a feeling that when I do eventually pitch it to people there might be some pushback.
0: It sounds like your goal isn't to be a people pleaser, so to speak. What would you say your goal is with Open Sesame?
1: It's to bring awareness to something that is so prevalent and yet so much shame surrounds it, which would be suicide. There's a Mm. lot of shame around suicide. And I'm not saying like, yeah, let's celebrate suicide. But I am saying it is a part of our world, very much so in more ways than we want to acknowledge. And I just want... My goal is to really not play it safe. I think a lot of things that have been talking about mental illness and TV shows have either been really, really serious, like 13 Reasons is is a good show for, you know, like really kind of showing the mind and the thought process behind someone who is dealing with mental illness, but also like what led her to do that. But I also think it was such a, it's a drama, you know, it's a drama. And I want to do it in a way where it's a bit lighter if that makes sense, a bit easier to swallow. So that way, when people are depressed, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go watch this heavy thing about depression. They can look forward to it instead.
0: It's funny that you brought up 13 reasons why, because that's a show that it's actually sparked some controversy, as I'm sure you're aware.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I couldn't watch the whole thing. It's like very, very triggering. <laughs>
0: it, it is triggering. I mean, I'd like to know what you mean by triggering because it sounds like that you had a personal reaction to it, whether it's unique or not.
1: I just feel like, I mean, I think that they're doing the best with what they have in terms of I understand why they're doing it. I think it's great to have a show about it because uh, it happens so much in high school and the main character's, Situation is one that's so relatable to so many girls, but I also think that sometimes the way that they framed things maybe wasn't done in the most thoughtful way.
0: yeah, they say that there are certain things in that show that aren't realistic and actually romanticize yeah the act of yeah. suicide and
1: exactly I and had that- to
0: wrap my brain around that that phrasing romanticizing suicide. I did not understand what they meant when they said that and as I did a little more research, I've begun to somewhat understand it. I don't fully understand it.
1: I hear you on that, though. And that's something that I didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Because usually when somebody commits suicide, it's not this grandiose, like, "Let me, let me tell everybody why I did what I did and why they're the reason for it. It's very like, yeah, of course, those people probably played a part in it. But killing yourself is not a way to get back at people. And it right. kind of pointed it out that way that that was her way of getting back to people.
0: I think the tone of voice in the recordings, right? Because there's a book that it's based on that made it a major point not to romanticize suicide, you know, to, to give a certain difference to, uh, to what the tapes do for the people listening to it, right? It's not about getting back at them. The tone wasn't supposed to be look at this crime I got away with yeah you know but that's the tone that it kind of gives off i think that
1: it did come off that way Yeah, right
0: right but instead it it should have been talking about uh the mental illness and uh, you know i'm i'm I'm, i will say this i am ashamed to say that even though i've done the research i've never read 13 reasons why the original book
1: no i mean I, i haven't either i mean we're talking about it and i'm only talking about it from a very quick introduction to it i i all my opinions on it are based off of you know the small amount that I did watch of it but you know that's my whole i guess what i'm just trying to say is like with open sesame i almost want cuz i think more people would be more comfortable talking about suicide mental illness if it was wasn't so scary you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. because yes it is scary it is terrifying when you have it and when you have the thoughts that you have sometimes with mental illness But it doesn't make you like you shouldn't be scared to tell people because they're going to you're afraid you're going to freak them out because it's so normal. I don't want people to think that these thoughts, these feelings that they're feeling are anything but normal because, yeah, I think it happens to so many people.
0: I wanted to ask you if you're comfortable talking about it, what Mm -hmm. your personal experience is with mental health.
1: Yeah, I am. I am because I, as much as like, I don't always want to talk about it just because, you know, it's not the most comfortable thing, but also it's important. And if I'm going to make a show about this stuff, I would hope that my experience would inspire other people know that, hey, Hey, I hear you. (laughs) I kind of get it. Yeah, I mean, I've honestly, it sounds very depressing to say it, but I've contemplated wanting to die since I was very young. Like I want to say 10 years old is when I was like having these existential thoughts about life and I've been battling them my whole life. I mean, I've been hospitalized. I've had to go to the psych ward and uh, deal with all that nonsense. I've had to take medication. I've seen plenty of therapists, psychiatrists, so many things. And um, I can confidently say that I am better than I was. And that I have gotten to a place where I feel really good about the progress I've made. But I know not everybody has the same journey I've had. And some people are still struggling and maybe it's going to be a struggle. I mean, I still have days where it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, tools are important and tools aren't readily available to everybody. And I want to include those in the series as it continues, like you know, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a lot of great stuff in that that people could use, but it bothers me that therapy is so expensive and such an elitist sort of thing. Like all these famous people are like, I suggest therapy, go to therapy. And it's like, well, yeah, you can afford like a $200 session with an amazing therapist. Not everybody has that luxury.
0: Right. And that's commentary right there on the mental health crisis. In America, the crisis isn't the fact that mental health is existing more than before. Mental health has always existed in, you know, I, I will just say in general, in the American history that we know, but the access to medical needs is embarrassingly low.
1: Most therapy is not covered by insurance.
0: And you struggled with that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have plenty of medical bills from the times that I was hospitalized and usually you're hospitalized without a say in it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get, I, I mean, I was handcuffed and put into a police car and taken to the psych ward. Well, the hospital and then the psych ward. Yeah, it's not a great experience. These are people who are genuinely having a hard time. And that's how we deal with it by making them feel like they're in trouble. They're a criminal. You get your phone taken away. You're locked in this room. Nobody talks to you. And then you have to go to the psych ward and Barely speak to a therapist. You're mainly just kept there just to be watched, and that's about it. And um I just hate it. I'm like, that's not this. This is a problem.
0: I'm getting anxiety just hearing about it. It sounds. I mean, it. it I, I'm trying to fathom the potential reasons behind any of that. Like, what's the rationale behind handcuffing someone who needs help? And then, I mean, not to not to bring in this political topic, but I guess this is partly where defund the police comes in, right? Where that that saying yeah. comes in. Where they're talking about police should not be handling
1: he should no and that's what i mean the cops who i dealt with weren't mean to me by any means luckily but it, i can tell they don't know what they're doing their protocol is this person could be at risk handcuff them and that's a dumb way to handle it but at, at the same time my case is different from other cases i would like to think i'm a fairly same person for the most part (laughs) and um, we deal with people who aren't always uh as predictable like there's been stories of people because the whole thing is that if you're considering harming yourself there's a high chance that you'll harm others Mm. and so that's their logic behind it and technically, it's illegal to kill yourself, I guess. <laughs> I just learned that.
0: Yeah, that part, that, that's, that's always a funny American rule to wrap my brain around. <laughs> How do you punish the person for killing themselves? So
1: They're already punished enough, I think. But that's why you don't have a say when you get taken to the hospital or the psych ward. It's not your choice. Sure. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say, aside from all that, there needs to be a step one before it gets to that. And I know they have crisis hotlines. I've called them, I've texted them. And it's not that it's like not helpful. I think it's great that we have them, but they're not the same thing. It'd be nice if there was like a first responder who could come and evaluate the situation and come in and have a conversation with the person and be like, hey, what's going on? What do you need? And assess whether they really, really need to be, you know, like under surveillance and really watch to make sure they don't hurt anyone or themselves. But even so, like, just makes people not want to talk about needing help.
0: Would you say that your show, Open Sesame, is going to bring awareness to that?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely the the next season, the next episode coming out this Thursday. (sighs) Yeah, it's one of the most personal, one of the more personal episodes that I'm coming out with. Things are starting to shift from six to ten. There will be a shift in the tone.
0: Really? Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know because I am excited to see how this world develops. I love seeing how so far the characters are just kind of intermingling with one another and learning about each other. Um, let's talk about the characters for a little bit. Yeah. Who are your characters?
1: Yeah. So there's four main characters. Um, it's Prussian, Benji, Lassie, and Carrie. Depression is the main character, so to speak. She's been battling with her depression. You know, she's not wanting to leave her room. Her friends are all concerned for her, trying to figure out the best way to handle this situation and support her. Then there's Benji, who to me is just makes my heart so happy. My friend TJ voiced Benji, and he really brought Benji to life. I was not expecting to have the voice match the character so well. And he did it great. He did it so great. But yeah, so Benji's basically the octopus monster type guy. And he loves eating. He loves food. The thing that I think he struggles the most with is caring about everybody else and not enough about himself. He's always wanting to be happy and make everybody else happy instead of actually thinking about, hey, maybe... Maybe there's some stuff going on here that you're not addressing. Yeah, and then Lazzie. she's a fun fur ball of hair. (laughs) She says bish. I was really having a hard time with that because I wanted it to be like PG, so to speak. And I wanted her to say bish. At first, it was binch. And binch is a little too, (laughs) it might not sound close. It might sound too close to the actual Actual word, but she's fun. She's definitely comes off a little insensitive, but it's just because her experiences are a little different from everybody else's.
0: There's a guest from this podcast who was in a previous episode. Her name is Jillian Patterson. On the podcast episode, she did not ever say this, but I went to college with her and she would always say, Bitch, let me hear you, what you got to say. And so every time I saw, every time Lazzy said bish, I always just thought of my friend Jillian. So shout out to Jillian. She uh, was a fantastic artist. It was great seeing her the other night at our networking party. Just fantastic. She's amazing. I love her. Anyway, uh, I, go on, go on. What were you saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's funny you say that because I actually based the character Lazzie off of my friend Yahira. Yahira, um, I love that name. Uh, she's so awesome. She was there with me when I kind of drafted this whole project and was drawing all the characters' designs and I wanted to make a character for her, she always says, bitch. <laughs> she's like Yeah, bitch. Mm-mm, bitch. Nope. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, I got to include her somehow. She was actually going to voice the character. But you know, she's not an actor. She she's living her best life. And I know that asking her to do it was like a whole nother challenge. And I know it's been a lot to be like, hey be an actor because I forget like I mean I grew up doing it so I'm like yeah you just read a script but I get like it's nerve-wracking like it's so stressful having and then I just didn't want to put pressure on her and you know she's my best friend and I, I was like you know what if it's okay with you I'll just I went with Natalie Miller she's an awesome person too and she actually she's does voice acting as like an actual uh job and stuff so she had a lot of experience with it but i'm going to find a way to include it in there her voice somehow even if it, it's just that Lassie had so many lines that it was just a lot to memorize and figure out so but i'll i'll find a spot for her right guys. right, right.
0: Give, give her give her uh some kind of uh a, a cameo right like yeah, just a cameo <laughs> right i i've always wanted to do voice acting i i when i was younger I would do a lot of impressions of different voices and so I always get jealous when I hear different friends of mine or different colleagues or in this case friends of friends who actually do this as a career that's just that's really remarkable that's awesome
1: I think it's great I mean I had a hard time with it in the studio the person who I was working with Mark Green he was really great and worked with me um with the budget I had to try and help me record this whole thing it ended up taking three days to do wow. all. The- and he was so patient with me, but I have the most loudest mouth for voiceovers like it is like clicking and like it sounds like really gross ASMR <laughs>
0: <laughs> well hold on one second I can attest that that is not entirely true because you worked on a film that I had produced and I directed uh, just just over a year ago and your audio came out very clean. You did a fantastic job in that film. We'll talk about that in a second. But going back to your, the characters and, and, and the voice acting and whatnot, that's really cool what you're doing and, and putting together. And-
1: yeah, yeah. One character that I meant to mention is Carrie. And Carrie is non-binary. The cast doesn't really... There's not like a an episode where they have to be like, oh, why do you go by they? And my purpose for that is I would like they, them, there to start to be a more normalized thing. Because I having friends who are non-binary and who go by those pronouns, no, it's, I don't experience it, but just from what I've heard, it's exhausting having to constantly explain why you would like to be addressed as that. And so they just accept it. That is what Carrie is. Carrie is the wisest, most, just a good soul. I love Carrie. That's my favorite design. I actually based the design of Carrie from an anime that I really love. Which Uh, one's that? Tokyo Ghoul.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) The
1: main character, Carrie has basically the same exact outfit.
0: (laughs) That's great. It's funny though, because Carrie is actually one of my favorite characters too. I just like that they are an angel. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I like, I like their backstory.
1: Yeah. The backstory is cool for Carrie. Carrie also, you get to see, I'm going to give a little hint in the second season, Carrie's going to get to go back to their world Really. and get to see, you get to see where Carrie comes from.
0: So speaking of worlds, I wanted to ask you about that. What is your budget when putting together production design like that?
1: Yeah. Well, this season actually I was able to do it in a fairly small budget. The camera was about $1,200, which isn't necessarily cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, the lighting I bought from a friend, so that was like a hundred bucks. The camera stand a hundred bucks, but overall, in budget in terms of the production, I spent maybe maybe three or four thousand dollars if that might have been a lot less, honestly, it might have been only like two twenty five hundred dollars
0: and did you raise that yourself or did you crowdfund?
1: No, completely on my own. I'm planning to crowdfund for the next seasons and hopefully put some more of my own money into it and cuz I want to do it on a much bigger scale.
0: When you start your crowdfunding campaign, please let me know. First of all, I'm going to donate and second of all, <laughs> I am going to share that on my platforms so that way people can start to to donate and make sure this project continues because it's it's a pretty important project. Open Sesame sounds like something really meaningful. I had just thought of this actually. Why is it called Open Sesame?
1: Funny story. <laughs> okay, um, well, one, about the crowdfunding thing, I just wanna say that there will be cool things you will get if you donate. It's not gonna just be like, give me money. I'm gonna be making merch based on how much you donate that you'll get, just cause I, I always think that's exciting when you get something for donating. The story behind Open Sesame, I was, like I said, sitting with Yahira at the host stand at the restaurant I used to work at. And I was like, what am I gonna name this thing? What What is this? And then I, it sounds so dumb, but it was like a happy accident of saying open sesame. I was just like, I guess I'll call it open sesame. <laughs> I don't have any reason to call it open sesame, but I guess open sesame. But then what's really cool is a friend texted me and was like, hey, you know, it's open sesame, right? And I was like, what? Yeah. And the correct phrase is open sesame," And it's based off this old tale. I don't remember the name of it, but it's about these thieves who are trying to get this treasure in this cave and they have to say open sesame" or something like that. Yeah.
0: So it's I had co- never heard that before.
1: I know. I know. And I was like, that's amazing. You just made me come up with a whole plot line for this show. So yeah, that's going to come in play for the story. About it being open sesame and not open sesame.
0: Okay. Well, that that changes everything. (laughs) It's actually really interesting. I can't look at it the same way now. That actually, you know what? That reminds me of like the title of Isle of Dogs, like the hidden meaning behind the title.
1: Yeah. What is the hidden meaning?
0: Well, if you say Isle of Dogs fast enough and long enough and if you have to repeat it multiple times, go for it. I love dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs. It sounds exactly. like you're saying I love dogs. Yeah. And that's why it was called that.
1: Whoa, that is so cool.
0: Right, right. So something similar to what to what you're doing. And also that was also a stop motion animation. Oh, that was so film.
1: good. I was so impressed with it.
0: And it took uh, I think it took that that film six years to complete, something crazy oh. like that. Which I can't even imagine working on one single project for that long.
1: It's insane. When it's on that scale, I was amazed that I accomplished this in a year and a half, but because it's about 50 minutes of footage. But luckily, my animation isn't on the same scale to where I am not as experienced with actually animating the characters and getting them to move, because the characters I designed are kind of limited in their movement um i did all the things but let me tell you they do not cooperate so even <laughs> though i put appendages that can move when you're doing stop motion it's like oh, and i'm like no no <laughs> <laughs> it like, moves so quickly and it's arms up to its head before i even can stop it it's,
0: <sighs> and actually you know what? it's funny the way that it's animated it actually seems intentional mm. those some of those different movements that you've created like the the lack of fluidity seemed even uh, intentional, maybe hey, if I'm going to look at it in a symbolic, maybe that's a statement on mental health and what it does to people on a mm-hmm. deeper level. but what do I know i'm just the, I'm just the viewer <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that, that I think what you're doing is really neat. One thing that I th- I find really beautiful about what you're doing is that it is at the root of its style of art stop motion animation, but it brings in a few other art forms as well i mean there's photography, which is just part of the beast of stop motion animation right but then there's also the projection that you were showing and i I love the panoramics of the the set design of that's this one house that you created how long did it take to create that house
1: the house is actually like maybe this big it's really tiny so it's Um,
0: like it's like a foot tall
1: yeah it's like a foot tall you're talking about the the end credits yes yeah that one maybe took me like i want to say four days but that wasn't working on it all day it was four days of like doing pieces of it it just
0: it just occurred to me I feel so stupid now so the actual interiors of each room is separate but the house is its own thing and it just occurred to me in my head I thought it was I pictured it as like one giant dollhouse that you would (laughs) open up and you would shoot these scenes in (laughs) Uh, that
1: is so cool. I I thought about it. But yeah. Let me tell you the logisticness of it of that. It's
0: not practical. Well,
1: because you have to have lighting that comes down straight on the yeah the actual thing. Otherwise, it would have just had lighting shining in.
0: You did it the right way. This is just me being silly and like oh my god, like being all like fantastical in the mind. Like Elena put this giant dollhouse together.
1: It is huge, it's only like a foot tall. (laughs) I shot it all in a foot.
0: (laughs) It occupies 73% of my bedroom. (laughs) I leave 15% of it for my bed.
1: (laughs) I thought about doing that because I'm trying to rent out my room. That's so random, but I'm thinking about just living in my studio space. And That's fantastic. That and just living in there. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Next I really step. love the work that you're doing though. This is really, really incredible. What are the materials exactly that you use to put together your sets and your characters?
1: Cardboard for the set. Mostly everything that I built is either cardboard or like cheap wood. Like you can get like buy cheap wood and I just cut it. and put things together but everything is basically handmade from the clock to the little sofa to the bed everything is handmade the only small exceptions are like little props like there's a few props that I got from my old dollhouse when I was a little kid that I kind of tossed in there here and there but yeah everything's handmade and then the characters are made from like bakeable clay so they're solid it's not like it's not like claymation fabric lots of fabric and paint
0: I think it's pretty impressive. What's the most difficult part of that set or those characters to put together?
1: You haven't met them yet, but Viennese is in the seventh episode. I was pissed making that thing. It looks like a dog demon in its legs. I wanted to have legs that moved. You know, they just kept falling out. It was just the whole thing I kept like falling out, and I was like, "Sucks." Um, he he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw that character. There's the reason why you're a bad guy in the show. I'm not talking to you.
0: (laughs) I mean, it sounds like he was one more peg leg falling out away from him just not being in the show, period. Like, oh, that's it. You're out of the script. You fucked up. That's it. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Into the trash you go. (laughs) I thought about it. I was like, how am I going to make this character? They're not going to even be in it. But my friend John Paul wrote a song just for that episode he's the voice of it and i love john paul so much so i'm like i gotta make this work <laughs>
0: shout out to john paul
1: <laughs> john paul his music's amazing um my boyfriend official is his instagram if you ever want to check it out yeah and then for the sets the hardest set would probably be Hmm. i actually loved making all of them all the sets were a lot of fun to make uh, uh, making this stuff was the best part of it the stop motion was the worst part of it
0: <laughs> the 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 act of creating alone, just in its own nature, right, is something very rewarding and therapeutic. And one thing, as of maybe two years ago, that I've gotten completely addicted to is watching woodworking videos on YouTube. Just because I like to watch people make something from nothing. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, cool. Like, what do you mean? Like, what kind of stuff do they make? Like tables?
0: Oftentimes, it's yeah, like tables and furniture. Like, I've seen one thing. I've watched a lot of people make and fall in love with watching them make our desks. And cause my dream one day is to make my own custom made desk with maybe like hidden wireless chargers in it. What? And like this cool, maybe industrial modern look. I don't know yet, but like, I just like to watch these different styles of people who make their own desks and see what people create out of them. I don't know. There's just, there's just kind of the sky's the limit on how people make their desks. And it's really impressive, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, I I, and that's something that we don't see a whole lot of anymore. And I think that's why I wanted to revert back to something that was a bit older and outdated. Because we take so many things for granted now how they're made, how they're built, how they're um, manufactured and stuff. And to see something like all the work and thought that has to go into a desk.
0: Cuz now now a lot of for a lot of people like a special talent is putting together IKEA furniture and my first thought is that's great. I'm glad <laughs> you can read instructions, but have you ever made something without an instruction manual, you know?
1: I was going to say I I personally am just the type of person that I love being like, "Hmm, that's cool. Could I make it?" And so I made like a TV stand, a coffee table, um, they're not great. Believe me. They're not great, <laughs> but still <laughs> the
0: fact that you made it is incredible <laughs> and you use them to this day.
1: Yeah. They're in my apartment. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. I would love to see that one day. That just sounds beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, they turned out all right. They're very minimal. They're not okay. like cool carved work or anything like that, but I just personally, it's fun. I think it's really fun when you can build something and put it together.
0: And how, when did you discover that, that passion for building?
1: I think I've always had a passion for like working with my hands from like drawing and stuff like that but it really in terms of like for Open Sesame what kind of made me think that I would be good at that is I used to take my dad's old work uniforms um that he wasn't using anymore he'd get new ones and then i would cut them up and i'd sew little dolls yeah they're pretty creepy
0: <laughs> so you, you you would sew like all of like the enemies you had right like you would create, yeah, like, you'd create these know. voodoo dolls and yeah yeah a sadistic right. child ripping off a leg every now and then right <laughs> yeah
1: god <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think back if i ever did I'm, maybe have i mean i don't think so because they were my creations and i love them so much that i don't think i'd want to hurt them but i will say that i used to put little rocks as their heart like i would find rocks and then i rock inside them and be like that's your heart
0: (laughs) you know what it's actually so interesting that you mentioned rocks because even right now i'm holding a rock right okay so i don't typically talk about my mental health but I'm I'm going to on this show for this episode. I see a therapist on a regular basis once a week and I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed to have that opportunity to see a, a therapist. I recognize that. She assigned me this assignment to go to the beach. Since I live right near the beach now, I'm very blessed for that. And to go collect rocks and find rocks that feel the perfectly ergonomic in your hand. This is actually my favorite rock cause it's like literally handle shaped and it's nice and smooth and whatnot. Yeah. But what she explained was that there was, uh, there was a, a discovery made with autistic people that works with people who do not have autism that are not on the spectrum. And that is that there's an automatic function with us holding things is that we like to rub things as human beings, especially when we're anxious and that's not to say that by the way you make me anxious it's just become a habit of mine but i love how this feels in my hand and it's in general like if i'm making a phone call to someone if i am speaking you know i guess just any moment where i'm interacting with anyone it's just become a habit and i literally leave it on this desk for for my use you know it's just it's just become a funny thing that i've started and then after going to the beach a couple of times, I've just now I have this whole collection behind me of just these rocks. And there's this one yeah, particular yeah. rock. There's this one particular rock that if you were still making those dolls, I would give it to you to put in as a heart. It's this beautiful rock that is black and has like these white patterns on it. And it's very small. It's like maybe a centimeter wide. But it's beautiful. And I found it on on the beach. And and now that you're saying that, it makes me think like, Oh my God, it's a perfect doll heart right there.
1: Isn't <laughs> that so funny? Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's cool because um, it's funny you said that. I was supposed to go to Japan in March before the, uh, the pandemic hit, and my trip got canceled like four days before. It was heartbreaking, but also it's a pandemic. What are you gonna do? Like, there are people who are seriously, you know, at risk, and so I understood. But my goal when I went to Japan was to find a grounding rock. I don't know what grounding rock means. I'm just calling it that. I just wanted something. That I could hold on to to bring me back to reality because it's so easy for your brain to go to all these different places and I feel like, like you said, having something that you can hold and touch and rub and like, you know, bring you to the present moment is really
0: important. It really is important. It is. It's kind of like this funny function that we as human beings have to turn this inanimate object that has no significance into something significant. Yeah. And that's very much what you're doing with open sesame the all these different materials that you have described in the production process of making open sesame they were inanimate objects that had nothing yeah and then they found meaning in this one uniform place isn't that kind of a beautiful thought when you think about it
1: it is like sometimes i forget how much work i've done for this series just because I'm the type of person that I really only focus on what's in front of me. I usually forget everything else in my life. if It's not right there. I forget about all the work that I did, all those late nights of staying up till four in the morning, trying to finish a character. It's, I'm really proud of myself because it, I, I feel like it really showed me how resourceful I could be. The fact that I use like these cardboard boxes and laid some paper on them. And I don't know. I just think money isn't always necessary to make things you can do it with very little sometimes and that's what i love about creativity is it's not exclusive to people who can afford it it's if you have a piece of paper in front of you if you have a leaf if you have a rock right you can create something with it
0: and i believe that's actually kind of a similar story to the creations of uh, robot chicken have you watched robot chicken
1: I mean I have watched Robot Chicken, but I don't know much about the
0: creation. Well they're they I mean, they just really use uh and like uh like action figure dolls
1: yeah, for all true. their
0: humor. And it's always dark humor, dark adult humor <laughs> with a lot of potty mouth and silly concepts mixing in common pop culture. I actually don't even know the story behind the creation of it, but you know, th- those are low budget productions. Yeah. It's it's taking things that it's it's basically almost making fun of with at least that that art form with robot chicken they're kind of making fun of the budgets that mainstream media uses and goes into yeah, the trouble yeah. of formulating and they throw it in their face like look at all this money that you spent on this very easily make making you know humorous topic you know
1: yeah yeah well cuz i think for me i have a lot of respect of course for the really the big budget productions i think they are visually unbelievable how far we've come with uh animation and stuff but from the people i've spoken to a lot of people miss the handmade element of like animation mm-hmm. because it made it very human you know and now it feels very almost a little too perfect
0: oh definitely i mean that that again going back to isle of dogs that was uh a movie that was completely handmade as well
1: yeah yeah
0: and there's so much emotion in the dogs alone The
1: dogs are so good because
0: yeah i need to watch it again now i'm gonna watch it and some of my dad's favorite films too so we're gonna watch together yeah
1: I was really impressed because I love movies that I think nowadays, a lot of movies are very much so action-based, fast moving, like look at this visually cool thing, look at this crazy thing. Whereas I, I Love Dogs was very much so. The visuals were beautiful, but they were also very simple. You know what I mean? It wasn't like super colorful or like these intense major fight scenes or crazy movements happening the whole time. It was like sweet moments throughout that made you think, wow, I can see them." that character just walking. You remember the dogs walking along the thing? Yeah.
0: The graphic matches between all the settings that they were in.
1: Yeah. Like that alone, the detail in that and how long that took just to have dogs walking across a bridge. I'm like, so cool.
0: It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sequence. Absolutely. That whole entire movie is just, masterful you know what god damn it i'm gonna watch it after this interview <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good idea. Good idea.
0: <laughs> but i'm i'm i want to say though i meant to say this a little bit earlier you've been incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. in this entire interview and i gotta commend you for your bravery and i'm so glad that you're here to tell us the story about what you've created i also wanted to bring up you told me this actually prior to meeting and i had no idea about this backstory as I mentioned before, you worked on a film that I produced and directed with a few others, and you had a special experience on that production.
1: Yeah, it was an awesome experience. One, Chaz is a great director. Great Thank video. you so much. Like, you just as a person, you're just awesome. You're a rare, rare type of person, honestly.
0: That really means the world. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, that day was so crazy. One, because... um, I really loved acting at that point. And so being able to be on your set uh, on my birthday, because it was my birthday, one of the days that we were shooting, was definitely one of the best birthdays I've ever had. It was really cool because we were all eating. We were uh, having lunch. We broke out for lunch. And what's her name was like, oh, there were no vegan cakes at the grocery store. and I was like, you're good. Like, you don't have to give me a cake. Don't even worry about it. And then she's like, but I got myself a cake. And then she starts eating the cake. <laughs> and I'm like, that's cool. enjoy." The cake. <laughs> and then we're just sitting there um, eating our lunch. And then lo and behold, there's a cake with candles and everybody sings happy birthday. And I'm just like, wow. I know it sounds so like remedial. It sounds really small, but it meant like so much to me. It was an amazing Really beautiful
0: moment, and yeah, yeah. I was personally moved when you told me that story, and I'm so thankful you told me that story because I had no idea that 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 I that made your day. The reason why that your memory is special for me is because unfortunately at this time I do not think that that production is going to continue for complications that are not appropriate for me to mention on this broadcast. But I'll tell you one thing that I learned from that. Is I, I I learned about managing production teams. I learned about some of the better ways that I could have communicated the things that I needed when it came to directing or working with even children. That was my work, my first time working with children, which was an eye opening experience. Uh, I learned a ton of things on that set. And Elena, you were a pleasure to work with. I was so happy that I casted you on that production because you are so talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that acting isn't something you're pursuing anymore, but you had a fantastic performance in that production. Really. Uh,
1: thank you. I think um, it's not that like if somebody offered me an act, I don't know. I don't think I'd do it. I know that sounds really crazy, but what I, what you have to give up to be an actor is a lot. It's a lot. And I don't think people really realize how much actors truly give up to pursue that craft and I respect them so much. I think it's the beautiful thing. and believe me I dreamed of being on a level where I could make art that amazing yeah it's just not for me I don't I'm so insecure and I (laughs) I really am (laughs) I am such an insecure person honestly and so having so much attention on me it was a lot I'd rather I'd really rather it be something outside of myself like hey I'm me but look at this thing that I did aside from me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean it sounds like a wonderful problem when you get praise one day you're going to get praised for open sesame like people are going to recognize your talents and they're going to go Elena let's talk about you and you're like no no i mean
1: look
0: I mean, what i'm doing now i can't be helping the problem aren't i
1: <laughs> no no but i i am happy to be on the show i mean yeah i really the only thing that i want to accomplish about things being about me in any way is uh, just sharing my experience with mental health, because I, I would love to see more people in a stance of, I guess people who have a good platform, using that platform to bring awareness. There are some awesome people who already do do that, but um, yeah, I'd like to just add to it. And I think this goal is much bigger than me, and that's what honestly gets me through. This uh, this project has honestly saved my life a lot of times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know it sounds really dramatic, but I am very serious when I say that, yeah, I've hit rock bottom many times. And um, sometimes there's not something to pull you through it. And I feel blessed that I had this project to pull me through it. But all I can say for people who are battling it and who maybe are listening to this and know what that's like, just wait. Give. What I do is I'm like, okay, I'm going to think about this tomorrow. Like, okay, I'm having these thoughts, they're really intense, they're a lot. I'm not gonna do anything right now. If I'm gonna do anything, I'll do it tomorrow. And chances are, when you get to tomorrow, you won't feel the same. Yeah, because I think we make a decision so quickly and it's that one decision that you can never take back. And life is awful. There's a lot of really awful things in life. But there's those few moments that are so beautiful like, for per, per example, being on your set and feeling <laughs> that love um, and just being able to work with awesome people, you know, that really make all this kind of worth it.
0: It's almost a quantity over quality kind of thing, isn't it?
1: You mean like quality over quantity? Yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot of bad days, but one good day can really change those bad days. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. it really can. Uh, I know that recently you moved to Colorado mm. where you grew up. Yeah but you were here in Los Angeles, which is how you were able to be on my production. When you moved, did you have to bring Open Sesame with you?
1: Dude, I have moved Open Sesame, the sets, the characters, the lighting and everything, four different times in the production of it.
0: How do you do that without...
1: Things broke, a lot of things broke.
0: How far did that set you back?
1: Honestly, I also wanna say this, I worked on open sesame for a year and a half but let me be clear that there were like a good several months throughout where i didn't do anything on it because it just got so overwhelming that i was like i can't do it i can't touch it i can't do it i hate it so much i'm not doing this anymore and then i just go back to doing it and then like okay okay i can do it um but yeah um It did set me back a little bit. All the moving set me back a lot. Because when you move somewhere, you have to like get like situated, get back into a routine, you know, get your things in order. That definitely made things a lot more complicated for sure.
0: What got you to keep on moving forward?
1: For me personally, like I have a personal tie to this show. Um, Somebody who's really special to me. Um, we were, it's crazy cause we're family, but we didn't, we didn't see each other very often cause we lived in different States. But my cousin, she was 14 years old. Um, she committed suicide and I just kept thinking to myself, God, if she just knew that it was okay to feel this way, if she just knew that she could have told somebody and that she wasn't crazy. I mean, who knows? Maybe it would have changed something. Maybe it wouldn't have, but I just keep thinking about her and I kept thinking about other kids who are like her and how if I can erase the stigma about suicide or mental illness in any way, then I need to do it.
0: Wow. And there's so much conviction in what you're doing, by the way, now that you've gotten, you know, the ball rolling uh, this, this mission behind open Sesame and what you as a person are about as an artist, is something so necessary and so needed, and uh, you know, on behalf of all the listeners that might be listening to this, that you know, you know, t- are have contemplated that or are contemplating that, you know, I'm sure they're very thankful for for you mm. and what you're doing. And I implore anyone listening who has an interest in this topic or doesn't know anything about this topic and like to educate themselves on this topic, to go check out Open Sesame.
1: Definitely. I mean, I definitely don't think that I'm like an expert on it. I definitely write in all the bios of every episode, like, I'm not an expert on this. So uh, even though I'm giving these hints and ideas of like ways that you can maybe help yourself or seek help, it's not because I know it works, because everybody's different. And everybody's experience through this is so different. And what works for me won't always work for somebody else. To be honest with you, I wasn't sure how Open Sesame would be received. I was dumbfounded by the kind words that I was given just of people saying how much they could relate to it. Nobody can understand. I mean, maybe other people can understand, but to me, no amount of money or fame or whatever can ever compare to the feeling you get when somebody says, thank you for making this. You helped me in some way, like feel better to have that kind of power and help people in that way is crazy.
0: That's amazing. Elena, if there's, a way for people to contact you in the future, whether it's to collaborate or they simply would just like to pick your brain. What is the best <laughs> way to reach you?
1: Probably the Open Sesame Instagram. It's a little confusing the way it's spelled, but it's going to be at <laughs> zero pen dot sesame.
0: All of that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Elena, the question I ask everyone on this podcast: What will you be famous for?
1: Open Sesame? (laughs) That's the hope. (laughs) I definitely think Open Sesame is going to grow exponentially in the next, I'm guaranteeing in the next three to five years, Open Sesame will be on a much larger scale.
0: Elena Lappalotto, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. If you've listened this far into the episode, it must mean you're a thriver. A great way to support my show is to follow my socials. You can follow my Instagram, at Mr. Thrive, like the Facebook page, Mr. Thrive Media, and be sure to check out my website at www.MrThrive.com to learn more about the Thriver experience. Thanks for listening.